Jesus is the way. So if Jesus is the way, how come I keep feeling lost? The last two weeks I was supposed to be in Ethiopia because part of my work is to go to the countries where you help people, hear their stories and bring it back and, and tell you about it. So I'm feeling a little bit disorientated. Last Sunday, I was in the Barossa Valley in South Australia, outside a 100-year-old shearing shed where they had a service to bless the seeds and the soils and the waters. It's completely different to this world, completely different to Ethiopia, but the spirit was kind of the same there. And for their children's address, they had a little wheelbarrow full of dirt, uh, some buckets full of water and some seeds, and they got the kids to plant all that, and they said a prayer over each part of it because... Uh, they rely on the sand and the soil to survive there. Uh, last Sunday was Good Shepherd Sunday. Did you have that here? Yeah, and on the way up to the Barossa Valley, I stopped at a lookout to pray just to get in the mood and looked out over the valley and there was this scene here where you can see sheep by the still waters and the green pastures and just Psalm 23 just you know, oozed through me. That's what it was, was like there. It's got me thinking about other sheep stories in the Bible. And you know the story of the 99 sheep that are safe and the one sheep that gets lost and Jesus goes to rescue the one sheep that gets lost. Whenever I thought about that story before, I thought, now what am I? Am I one of the 99 comfortable in the fold, safe from all the wolves and all that stuff? Or am I that one sheep that gets lost and has to be rescued? And I think in our life, sometimes we have both of those things. The one thing I didn't think about was the other character in the story, the shepherd, Jesus. And when we read the gospel today about Jesus is the way, well, maybe we're the shepherd as well. And maybe we're the ones who have to go out finding the ones who are lost and going down those stairs to Somalia and Ethiopia and Sudan. And that's when we're following Jesus being the way. At ALWS, we're um, inspired by this verse. Don't forget those who are suffering, but imagine you are there with them. It's really for us easy for us in our world to just think about yeah, our cost of living crisis and the power and all of that kind of gear. Order for their children who've seen family killed in wars and stuff. That's when you see a real everyday suffering that's deep and cuts through. So at ALWS, we want to connect you to those people that you help. So we're going to go from Stanley Street into South Sudan. This is an old Catholic church found at a place called Ikatos. And ALWS exists to take you from here over to there. So inside the church, um, when the war came, people ran in there to hide and find safety. And you can see it's all bombed uh, inside. But they'd drawn pictures on the wall of what was happening around them and there were pictures of men with machine guns and tanks and uh, helicopters dropping bombs from the sky. The thing that really struck me was that they'd also drawn a picture of Jesus. So Jesus wasn't somehow separate from their life and from their suffering. Jesus was right there with the people. And I also struck by the, the heart around Jesus' neck. His heart was open and filled with love and Uh, It's a really powerful thing to take away. So I'm going to take you into some of these places now. It's dangerous. LWF stands for Lutheran World Federation. So Lutheran churches all around the world 
come together so we can make an impact in these countries. And some of the places we go uh, aren't safe. Right, so the countries we put on this roll of toilet paper, here's where they are in real life, so excuse me turning around. So Burundi is down here, that's about 187, so it's about the fifth poorest country in the world. South Sudan is in here. Sudan up here, Khartoum is about there. Uh, Ethiopia and Somalia. And then here in Kenya, you've got the refugee camps. So people from South Sudan came here to Kukuma. And people from Somalia came over here to Dadaab. So that's the Horn of Africa. So that's where you're working right now. So I'm going to take you deeper into Somalia, where you're making love come to life. So a few facts about Somalia. Half of the people are under 14 years old because so many people have been killed in the wars. Average life expectancy is 55. So put up your hand if you're 55 or over. Okay, so if you were living in Somalia, chances are you wouldn't be living because your life would be over. Only 3% of girls and women complete primary school. 99% of girls and women have suffered FGM, which is female genital mutilation. Um, so even when they're really young, they're brutalised. Uh, most of them are married by the time they're 12 or 13 years old. They start having babies when they're 15, when their body isn't ready, and that tears up all of their insides and causes fistulas and horrible things like that. Now, the last five years of drought have cured all their livestock and crops because 90% of people are farmers and they re- uh, rely on their cattle and goats and sheep and uh, maize and sorghum. And the main source of their food is from Ukraine and Russia. And you've got the blockades because of the war, so they're not getting the help from there. There's a little bit of grain coming out of those places, but it's going to the rich countries who are already doing okay. But when you think about injustice in the world, Somalia is the place where you really see that. So there's half a million children who are in Somalia facing famine right now. Right, this is where you work. Excuse me, I'll turn around again. So we're in Somalia now. The line down here is the border with Kenya. So when people fled Somalia because of the conflict and the drought, they came to these refugee camps at uh, Daghali and Hagadira. Um, this is a general area called Dadaab. But now that things has got peace in Somalia, they're starting to go back. And Lutheran World Federation are setting up uh, camps at Dith in here and down in here and then along the road back into Somalia and that's where they can meet people, check out their needs and give them the support they need. Most of your work is here in Kismayu. Now if you go on the Australian Government Smart Traveller website it'll say do not travel into Somalia and you won't be able to get travel insurance so you're not allowed to go because it's so dangerous. It's a completely Muslim country and if I wore my cross like this that would make me a target for um, the terrorist group Al-Shabaab, who specifically target Christians. But that's where you're working through ALWS. When people get to camps, this is what they look like. You know, we might think of camps you know, with corrugated iron roofs and good walls and running water and all that stuff. It's much, much more basic. People gather sticks and rags and clothes and make their shelters. You can see little blue huts all the way through. That's the toilets. So one of the first things you do in a refugee situation is dig the toilets, basically a long drop loo. might be 10 to 20 families share one toilet, 
But if you don't have good sanitation, then disease can spread and go right through the camp really quickly and be very lethal. You're doing food distributions inside Somalia right now. There's 300 of the hardest hit families are getting these food rations. So bring it in on trucks. Um, and then you have to teach the people about the food distribution. So sit them down. Mostly they're women we're talking to because they're the most needy and they head up the families. Uh, they get a ration card and then they get a six-monthly ration. So every month they come in and they get the ration. And this gentleman here, he told us about his journey into the, to the camp. And they had to decide what family members they'd leave behind. And normally for us, we'd think about you take the weakest and look after them so you can get them help. But these people were forced into the situation where they could only take the strongest to have the best chance of survival. So often the elderly and the sick and the people with disabilities have to be left behind in the hope that someone will survive. So it's sort of like that Meryl Streep movie, Sophie's Choice, when you have to make an impossible choice for your family. A basic food pack for a family of six for a week is six kilo of rice, six kilo of wheat flour, sugar, vegetable oil and dates. So that's designed to deliver about 2,100 kilocalories per person per day, which is enough that you live, you don't put any weight, hopefully you don't get sick from it, but it's just enough to survive. And then we're also doing porridge. So the people who come to the camps, the women volunteer to make the porridge. It's fortified. This is Regina. She's one of the cooks in one of the camps. And she lost family members on the way to the camp, but she was desperate to get a job to earn a little bit of money to get her children educated. She said they're cooking up for four or 5,000 people each day, and she told me she was really worried. She said, look, I didn't go to church on Sunday. I really hope God will forgive me, but there were so many people had to be fed. I needed to do that. And, yeah, I think God is happy with that. So a quick flick from Somalia to the Adelaide Hills. These are students at Cornerstone College um, in the Adelaide Hills and they decided they wanted to help the people in Somalia. So they had a cooking competition where people made cakes and they made 52 cakes to judge which one was best. Then they cut up the cakes into slices and they sold every slice of cake to the student and the staff population. And they raised enough money to support 220 children in Somalia to be fed for a year and to go to school. And to me, it's lovely to see that kind of creativity that can help somebody else. So we can all do something. And I think we as Lutheran family are really good at food. So if we can find good ways to do that, then that's exciting. So that translates into porridge for children inside of Somalia. This photo was only taken about three weeks ago and getting children into school. And the good news is we got a matching grant, and it's a mix of money from Bread for the World in Germany, from the Quakers in the US, and from the Church of Sweden. And what it means is for every dollar we put in, it's matched with $18, so it increases our impact. Which means if you've got $10, that becomes $180, which is enough to provide a daily school meal for a child, so about 200 meals across the course of a year, plus uniform, desk, classroom, help for children with disabilities, training for teachers and dignity kits for girls. And that's sanitary napkins and those, those kind of things that girls need. So $10 translate to a child in school for a year, which looks like this. And this photo shows the balance between girls and boys because the girls... 
yeah, as I said before, they don't get to go to school. They suffer the genital mutilation, taken out of school to be labourers or married off. So we put an extra focus of your work on looking after girls inside of Somalian. Veronica's got one of these up the back. If you want to find out a bit more about your work, you can pick it up on the way back. So I'm going to flick you over from Somalia to Ukraine. I don't know if you know much about the work you're doing for the people of Ukraine, so I'll just take a couple of minutes now to take you there. So we started an appeal for the people of Ukraine, I think two days after the Russian tanks first crossed the border. And people like you started responding straight away. At that time, I think 65% of people leaving Ukraine were mothers and children because the men had to stay behind and fight. And that's what we find in most refugee situations. That's the girls and the women, the children who leave first and the men stay behind to defend the property. So, excuse me, turning around again. So when people cross the border... You support Lutheran churches in Poland, Slovakia, Hungary and Romania to welcome people as they cross the border, and there's been millions. And now you're also working inside of uh, Ukraine in Kiev and Kharkiv over here. So we work together with churches of lots of denominations from all around the world through Act Alliance. I think there's about 140 different church groups come together, which is really cool that it's a whole ecumenical thing. It's Christians living out their faith and forget all the stupid divisions that we can manage for ourselves. So classrooms are turned into um, food distribution centres. Uh, school gymnasiums turned into dormitories for people to sleep. Uh, providing food. Uh, simple things like washing machines to keep people keep their clothes clean. Uh, digging toilets. Lutherans are very good at toilets. We do it all through Asia and Africa. Toilets is our thing. And this is actually inside Ukraine, um, building bomb shelters underneath the schools inside Ukraine. So that's a million miles away from where we are today, but that's where you are. And the reason you build bomb shelters there, because the kids have had to do online learning, but if there's a bomb shelter at the school, they can come back and have face-to-face learning, reconnect with their friends, and then if the Russians start bombing, they all go down underneath. So that's what you're doing there. What really struck me... If you look at this photo, uh, it's people handing out food. What strikes me is how similar it is to this photo, which is again in Clare Valley in South Australia, where they set up a trading table to sell cakes to raise money to help inside of Ukraine. And the powerful message to me is we all are called to do service in different places. You're called to do service here amongst the cross and amongst on Stanley Street here with um, gloves and mittens and all that kind of stuff. Or you can be called to serve over there, or your gift might be just making cakes and raising money to help people. And what I notice about this photo is the smiles. You know, when you help somebody, it, makes, it brings joy to their life and to your life as well. Joseph Platner is the head of our work inside of Ukraine. He said, the church is stretched but it's impressive to see what the church is doing with limited resources. And we know that's the situation of the Lutheran Church in Australia as well, that budgets can't be met. The LCA in Adelaide have to save $1.5 million over the next two years because there's not enough money. That's stretched, but it's what God does through us. 
There's so much passion, commitment and positive energy in what they provide, including shelter for refugees, food, transport, medical care. And the one word you don't see there is money. What you see is passion, commitment and positive energy. And we've all got that and we can all find ways that we can help people. It's incredible to witness what the Spirit is doing for people committed to helping those most in need. When you get to next Sunday's service and we talk about, Jesus talks about the Spirit coming to be with us now, think about this as well, that the Spirit is living through you, doing things for other people. This little girl, when she came to the evacuation centre, she had two toys with her, a doll and a colouring book. And she saw another little girl who didn't have anything and gave her her colouring book. All of us have got something that we can give. This is in South Sudan. I found it on an, a, in an abandoned school. The teacher had written on the board and it says, all family members have the same basic needs. These are shelter, food, clothing, education and love. And through ALWS, you provide all those things. The practical shelter and food and clothing and education but you also bring your love to life when you do these things to people. Which reminds me of another sheep story. And can you guess which sheep story I'm thinking of from the Bible? Matthew 25, about 34 to 40. And the king is saying, separating the sheep and the goats. And the people say, oh, when did we ever look after you? And Jesus says, whenever I was hungry and you gave me food, whenever I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was in prison and you visited me, all of those kind of things. The thing that struck me is in this photo, there are sheep and goats in that photo. And when you look at them, they're all mixed up. And when I first started reading Matthew 25 in the New Testament, I thought, oh, that's easy to tell the sheep straight away. You can tell the goats straight away. But when you go into Africa, they're all mixed together and you can't really tell the difference. The goats, the ears go up and the tail goes up, the sheep, the ears and tail go down but from a distance you can't tell I thought that's another lesson for us that we you don't judge who's who and Jesus says whenever you did that for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine you did it for me so Jesus is the way and if we want to be with Jesus on the way one of the great ways to do it is to feed the hungry and give water to the thirsty and shelter and clothing amen